Buongiorno mondo, and welcome back to 15 with Fosca, the podcast, and to the second part of my chat with Devorah Block, strategy and engagement educator and advisor for the third sector. What is the future of our cities? What's changing and what needs to change? And how can we as citizens be agents of that urban transformation? Join Devorah and me as we continue to ask questions about the built environment, discuss her work with the Place Literacy Project, and the incredible dialogues happening right now at Florence's Salon of Urban Architecture around how our cities are designed, how we use that space, how we get to and move within our spaces, and the importance of putting humans back at the center of everything, very much like what happened during the Renaissance. Grazie mille. E buon ascolto. Thank you. Um, the yeah, and and but with all of that, also wondering how it is that I know so little about this when it is impacting all of those right things. Right, and so being the educator, mm-hmm. um, I started thinking a lot about how ways in which we could um, work to sort of open up that understanding and knowledge to a broader public. Yeah. Um, and so I'm currently working on uh, a couple of main projects. Okay. Um, one is, as, as keeps sort of being mentioned here, the Salon. So the Salon of Urban Architecture um, is a uh, sort of um, inspiration mm-hmm. of Karen Templin's. Karen is a, an architect, an urbanist, um, an amazing educator in her yeah. own right. Absolutely. She's just She's phenomenal. Incredible. Phenomenal. Um, and she has had this idea, I think, for about a decade, Um, and it's finally sort of coming to fruition, which is very exciting. So the Salon of Urban Architecture um, is a space in Florence, Mm -hmm. but it's also more of an idea, um, sort of an intellectual space that we're creating, Um, looking at urbanism, looking at Florence as the sort of natural classroom of, around urbanism that it is, yeah. uh, taking advantage of, of our location here and bringing in an international conversation though around that. Yeah. So we have about once a month, we have um, an international speaker come through and we have drinks and conversation. Um, we are working on a couple of different projects to do um, education, mm-hmm. so international education right. for um, for a variety of audiences, for professionals, for just the very curious, mm-hmm. um, really sort of unpicking what what urbanism is and yeah. using and using the city and all of its richness to teach that, um, and and having fun. We've got this amazing reading room. Karen has been collecting books on urbanism. Uh, it's, it's a such like, a great space on it's every level. Yeah. And, and I just want to say quickly about as you know, I've lived here now for twenty five years. Gosh. And I have to say that the salon is like nothing I've ever experienced in Florence. <laughs> First of all, there's something so special about being able to be in a room, very intimate, which I love, mm. but with so much power. And you're it's amazing. Because First of all, you're, you're surrounded by incredible architecture, which is already inspiring. You have an incredible space, incredible view. So already you, you feel like you're part of this dialogue with the city, right? And then all of a sudden you're in this intimate space with all these super interesting people. It's all very 
elevated, very intellectual, and it feels extremely homey. And I don't think I've ever found something like that. You go to big conferences where, you know, everyone's just like going on for hours. This is really a conversation because also the speakers you invite and the whole way it's set up and the fact that it's a smaller space, you know, is conducive to these amazing conversations. And every time I leave, I'm like, wow. I'm Devora so and Karen happy. are doing a great service to the city. Where can you go? Seriously, I'm asking you. And have conversations with interesting people. Have yummy drinks, food, beautiful views. Learn things. Engage with other people. You're building community and you're doing a service to sort of a, a whole field. Oh, no, it's, it's so it's lovely amazing. to hear you say that. I mean, because it's, I mean, it's lovely. It's lovely and flattering, but it's also that it's you've put your finger on it. I mean, it's exactly what we're hoping to create. No, you did create it. It's um, working. I mean, it's, it's working. Yay! Um, <laughs> I think. I mean, it's that. It's also that um, opening up that conversation so that it, where I get very, very excited in general um, is sort of exploring the the boundary that's between uh, that shouldn't exist I guess in some mm -hmm. ways but that's between the professionals who are designing our cities and everybody else who maybe like myself um, who were not as aware of, of of how our cities have come about and how those decisions are made and so having a space where we can create that where it's not just architects so we do we we've had some amazingly also like you know top notch architects come through. Um, but we also have people like me, mm -hmm. um, or people like you, right. and uh, people like Noga, actually a lot of <laughs> dropping names, um, but who are coming into the space with their own background and experience mm -hmm. and expertise yeah. and contributing to the conversations in other ways. Right. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a very exciting thing. I should say as well, it's not just Karen and I. We're the two who are based here in Florence, but um, there's actually three of us. Okay. Um, and the third woman is Rosamond Diamond. Yeah. She's another just wonderful uh, and inspiring woman um, who knows every single person in the built <laughs> environment in London, as far as I can tell. I mean, mm -hmm. every single one. Um, and she has been, she's been with it, with us from the very beginning, um, obviously from the UK, um, she's come over, she's been able to come over for a couple of the, um, of the salons so okay. far. Um, and she is also, uh, one of my partners in the other project that I'm working on. Which at we're going to hear all about right now. So, sure. Um. What is the project? So, Roz and I are working on a project which is currently under the title of um, Place Literacy Project. Nice. Um, we have been calling it Built Environment Literacy, mm -hmm. um, and we've moved to place recently. Um, but So, the website um, is still builtenvironmentliteracy.org. Okay. Um, and it is very much a project about around these same ideas, so around looking at the built environment through the lens of place, so really taking that as the way that we can understand the complexity of the built environment um, in a way that's also very easy. You know, place is something that it's easy for us to identify. Um, places can be big or small. Um, but by, by focusing on a space like that, we can then sort of pick out all of the different threads 
whether that's the way that the, the physical design of the space, the way that people use the space, the, um, the infrastructure that serves the space, how do you get there, mm-hmm. how do you get away, um, if there's things like water or a bathroom, yeah. um, and also have this sort of central node mm. where we can talk about the different things that the same place can mean to different people. Um, that's and where so it gets very interesting. That's exactly where we, um, what we're really excited about. So it's very early days for the project. Mm-hmm. We're still in the um, sort of research and development stage of okay. figuring out exactly what we're doing. Um, but it is, it's, it's definitely what is keeping me um, intellectually active at the moment okay. and getting me excited day to day. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So since we're talking about space, mm. I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, no, because I think how, how, so you're working on that project in London, mm. specifically with spaces in London or in spaces everywhere? No, the idea, so at the moment, it really is, it's it's all, all over. theoretical at okay. the moment, so, but it is all over. Okay, so let's talk about spaces in Florence. Mm. Florence is a really difficult example, I think. Um, we're currently in a modern, a new neighborhood of Florence, and I'm used to, you know, I live in the historic downtown. I've always lived in the historic downtown. And when I come out here, which is, we're in a neighborhood, we're at Musicalmente, we're recording the podcast. Um, I'm happy, we love it here, but I hate the neighborhood. <laughs> and the reason why I hate the neighborhood is because I find it counterintuitive mm. for me. So I find the spaces here, well, there are a lot of things we could talk about. There are a lot of architectural eyesores here where they could have done some brilliant mm. things, but I defer to Karen on that. I'm not <laughs> the expert. But I do this notion of space in a place like Florence, where space is limited, mm. and where space is also so dictated and has, like, there are spaces that are off limits. There are spaces that are exclusive. There are spaces that have, have a sp- very specific purpose. So tell me more about how you experience, this is a big one, I know, I don't even know what question I'm asking, <laughs> but I'm very curious because I, I, there are a lot of obstacles in, in, in Florence. In other words, there are, um, it's not always easy to occupy space here because yeah. there is a shortage of space. So can you talk about that specifically in like what, what intrigues you, what spaces intrigue you here in Florence, or if you could even give an example of something that you think is like a good example of the kind of work you're doing? I think that um, what's interesting to me about that is that Florence, I think because space is limited and also circumscribed, mm-hmm. right? So that we do have, you were saying the historic center and then there's the, the periphery right. and then there's the, um, it has created, you know, and again, I should defer to, to Karen on this because this is something that she actually knows extremely well. Yeah. Um, and I can only speak to as a citizen of the city. Right. Um, but it's a very contested space, but that has also led to enormous creativity. Exactly. And so there is this, the ability, and and I don't, um, I don't have in mind actually an example, 
Um, but in some ways, because I feel like they're, they're myriad, right? Examples of the ways in which reuse and adaptation has happened Absolutely. Here. Um, and so that, you know, it's something that in other places in the world, they are, you know, that's the direction that we're going in, right? We're talking about, we're very much at a, at a point now when we're looking towards sustainability and where the future should be, in which architects are starting to say, um, we have to stop building. That's right. And, you know, that's to, the first right. thing we have to do is we have to stop dem demolishing and mm -hmm. we have to stop building. Right. It has to be about adaptation and mm -hmm. reuse. Um, and if that's the case, in a lot of places, I, that's unheard of. I mean, in America, for example, you just knock it down and build something new mm -hmm. in its place. Even with yeah. just a normal house. Even with a normal, exactly, with anything. It's so much a part of the culture here. It's just... A friend of mine in Melbourne, they just decided they, did, they were mm -hmm. going to expand, and they were like, you know what, it's easier if we just like knock it all down and rebuild on our right. lot of land. Which is not sustainable. Uh, it's not. Oh, it's, yeah. Um, and here, you have to come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are, you know, and there's lots of, it means you move here. Anybody who has even been here on holiday and certainly has moved here, I mean, you see some weird spaces, right. some weird offices, some weird, like, Bathroom. apartments, some weird bathrooms. <laughs> let's there's just get it out there. Let's call it creativity. Yeah, let's call it creative. <laughs> um, but yeah. But you, but that's also, it's also part of what's so fascinating. And mm -hmm. I think it's also this really amazing and I've actually heard Karen speak about this, um, but of course can't think of any you know examples right now. But the ways in which the sort of the Palazzi of the historic center are these incredible examples of adaptation and reuse, and the ways that they have been reinterpreted over Absolutely. time. Palazzo Strozzi, you know, it used to be a, a private home, right? Um, and now it's a contemporary An art incredible center. cultural space that's um, been. Repurposed, repurposed in the fine and and to in to the service of the citizens, to the service of the citizens, right. and with respect still For, to exactly. the original architecture. Exactly. I mean, it's a it is doable. Yeah. It's very doable. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's Palazzo Strozzi is a really good example. Palazzo Strozzi is an interesting Manifesto example. Tabacchi. Yes, let's exactly. talk about it a second because it's a space that I find to be sort of a paradigm for what can be done. Yeah. So taking an industrial space and making it residential and also it's full of like shops and amazing Completely initiatives, it's a whole yeah. cultural center. And so I want to talk a little, since it is such an interesting moment in time and, you know, you're thinking about space, what do people need now? Like when you're talking about space and how people, how we occupy um, the spaces that we move through, right? What kind of questions are you asking? I mean, I'll be honest, our, you know, my, the project that I'm involved in is more about encouraging people to ask questions as yeah. opposed to saying what the questions okay. are um, and, and to engage in that. And I think that that's, it's, it's about giving people more agency, so sort of helping people to understand that there are questions to be asked. Yeah. Um, but what I think a lot of people are asking um, are questions that are around, I think that we're seeing a real shift towards the human again, um, which is interesting as I'm saying this, like in Florence, um, that, you know, that idea of, you know, the, the Renaissance was really about putting the human at the center of everything. That's right. Um, and I think that that's, 
what we are looking as a as a global society. Yeah. Um, I think that in different shades and in different ways and with different contexts and nuances, um, that what a lot of people are seeking out though is putting a real value on the human again. Um, with a a difference, I guess, that it's the human contextualized within our sort of larger living ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, not person first sort of a thing, but um, that we need to somehow live in balance with all of the forms of life that are around us. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a real challenge and a real shift. And I think it's one that it's also, when we, we started today, we were talking about the fact that neither you nor I are digital natives, and we've right. had to um, adapt. get used to adapt <laughs> exactly to technology, yeah. and that we're we're both really we're good. Not bad no, at no, no, it. no, not at all. I'm, all you things know. considered, no. um, but there, you know, we talk about this so much now, but there, there are huge, huge gaps now between generations mm-hmm. and experiences, and I think that um, I'm very conscious of the fact that. Uh, even when I speak to my colleagues who are in their early 30s. Huge difference. There's a huge difference. A and then they talk to me about how their students who are in their early 20s, there's a chasm between. I That's mean, there's, right. Um, so I think the ways that people, it, it makes it even more difficult for right. me to sort of answer or right. respond to the question because mm-hmm. I'm like, but see, that's, I think that's the key to it. We're at this really strange moment in time mm. where, for example, even if you just look at the average workplace, which is another one of those spaces that we yes. need to be thinking about a lot right now, perhaps for the first time in history, you've got boomers. You, they're still there. I don't think silent generation, which is my parents' generation, most have retired, but probably not all. But we have boomers. We have Generation X, which is me, millennials, um, and now Generation Z, and they're all working together in these spaces, and we're all inhabiting these spaces together. It it's not very straightforward, yeah. and in the because there are just there are some major generational differences that we need to also be. Um, I don't know. We need to sort of be working to really narrow those differences, but also to increase the communication, to increase human contact, to increase these intergenerational conversations and because if not it's just like we're going nowhere um but beyond that I was just thinking about something really interesting I don't know if you read about this but um there's evidently this like ad going around that's gone viral Mm. um I think it's for a pub or something and basically it's this elderly man who like is walking his dog he casually meets this couple on the street and they end up you know, it's sort of like an anti-solitude okay. Christmas or holiday spot. But what it's captured, and why I'm interested in talking to you mm. about it, is what it's captured is solitude. Mm. Okay, the fact that there is this solitude. We have to talk about it, okay, for what it's worth. And it might be a consequence of the pandemic. It might be a consequence of just the fact that our world is kind of, I keep saying it, but like the world is not an easy place right now. So this spot basically says, like, okay, so we randomly meet these people. We talk in this space on the street. We go to another space, the pub, right? Sort of the, the sacred um, temple of, you know, British um, social life, if you will, public life. And so 
I find it interesting that this ad has gone so viral because it seems so normal to me. Right. right? So why, how, how are people who are designing things and how are people like you who are thinking about these things and asking these questions, how can we bring human beings closer together? And how can we put humans back at the center? Because there's something, there's also the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about, which is AI, right? And that's also complicating things. And then, of course, you know, the fact that our, like, mother nature is like, extremely unhappy with us. <laughs> and so I think, you know, exploring these spaces has all of these incredible other implications going on. So as we sort of come to the, the end of our conversation, how are you moving forward with something like this, with all these incredible moving pieces, but also just the sheer velocity of our world right now? I mean, I do. I think that as you were speaking about it, the, you know, one of the thoughts that, that came to mind was the fact that, um, you know, yes, it's the pandemic. Yes, it's life now. But it is also the way that we've designed our cities and our public spaces. But it's not just the design of them. It's also all of the decisions that are being made mm -hmm. around their use, right? So there's the design and then there's the use. Um, the ways in which we aren't taking care of that phase of um, a, a project's life. Yeah. Um, and then the decisions that are being made that, that disallow us to create social moments and social uses. Yeah. Um, and there is, I mean, there's an enormous amount of work and creativity that is going into this right now around the ways in which we can um, bring our high streets into a social space again so that they aren't commercial high streets, yeah. but that they are social spaces. Exactly. Um, and that that is really, that's the, the currency, quote unquote, that we need to be concerned about. Okay. Um, and, you know, exactly, the pub is, is anybody who's sort of familiar with the conversation in the UK is this sort of, it's iconic, not just the pub in, the, in and of itself, but also of this conversation, right? The pubs that are being shut down, the pubs right. that aren't able to survive, right. the pubs that are, um, and it is, you know, it, it, it is a focal point, yeah. um, but so is the street. So is walking down the street and being able to have that moment mm -hmm. of conversation. Um, creating streets that permit that. That's right. Um, having modes of, of transportation that permit that. Lifestyles that permit that. Mm -hmm. um, so that we're not driving in our cars all the time as individuals, but we are walking down the street. I mean, that in and of itself is is one of those decisions. Um, and those are life-changing because they can people, be huge. people are angry in their cars. You know, Absolutely. you see a lot of people, one person in their car, all you know, upset about something, right? Because no, and that's don't have don't, that human right, contact. Right, and it's terrible, Yeah, you know? And I don't know, I just think that, for example, here in Italy, where you still have that social aspect, you have the piazza, mm -hmm. you have the cafe, the bar, you have the passeggiata, right? So Italy, I mean, I think already has a, like, has this notion of, you know, the piazza is where everything plays out. Yeah. It's where, you know, especially in small town life, but you still see it in Florence. So I think in a way the Italians are always quite, um, 
you know, they're they're quite good at at their spaces. In other words, they're quite good at creating spaces, but also I think Italians have had to be innovative because of the lack of space. So I think... Um, I'm thinking as we're talking and as we're coming really to the end of the conversation because I don't want to keep you here all day, but I think about Milan a lot Mm. because I think in Milan, in certain neighborhoods where they have, for example, you know, they have all the the sustainable buildings, but they've created these, for example, there's one and I I really, when we put the podcast description and I'll, I'll more accurately cite where it is. But there's this space where you're right by the, you know, the the building that's covered with the the vertical, the Bosco Verticale, yeah. right? Um, and it's this amazing public space. So there's like, I don't know, uh, a garden, um, like a community garden. There's all these places to sit, um, but comfortably places, you know, a lot of green. But there's also like Centri Commerciali. Right. So what you have is if you live in that neighborhood... All you need to do is go downstairs. Right. You have everything you need, but you also have access to people, other humans, a yeah. social circle, um, things like a you know a community garden, an urban garden, things like that. So as we're coming to the end of the conversation, I want to know sort of what you see as the future of a city, for example, like Florence. Like, how, what direction do, do you think it's going in a good direction? Um, thank goodness the podcast does not have video. Um, oh, the expression you just made was priceless. <laughs> just as an FYI to all the people out there listening, Florence is so under construction right now that honestly, like half of the time, I, I have no idea like where I'm supposed to go because a street is closed. You're being, yeah. there's a lot of construction, a lot of refurbishing. Yeah. And a Florence lot of... Challenging. Tourism, yeah, um, you know, I think that Florence is at risk of becoming one of these cities that is suffocated by, um, and I, and I and I think that that's I don't think that there I don't have answers, um, you know, for for what needs to happen in Florence or any or any other city, but I do think that where the answers lie mm-hmm. are in the residents of a neighborhood and I think that there is just never going to be that where we make mistakes is when we think that there is a way to do it where we say I saw this amazing neighborhood in Milan let's make one here right and that won't work no because it is for it to work it has to be unbelievably contextualized and the only way that that can happen and this is where I think that we have a lot of work to do all of us, mm-hmm. um, is by allowing design to happen from the bottom up and empowering people and giving people the agency and the understanding and the knowledge so that they are able to participate knowledgeably in the conversations about what their neighborhood should look like. And I think that, um, that we, there's just a lot of work to do yeah. to get there. Um, and it's in my opinion, though, some of the most important work that we can be doing because what that does is it it democratizes the conversation and it puts, you know, the power with the people, which sounds sort of, you know, maybe a little hokey or whatever, but it no. is, that's what needs to happen. And that is the only way, in my opinion, that we are going to be able to get to a place where we are actually 
creating and living in sustainable cities that are just, that are equitable, that are doing all of the things that we need to have happen. Um, it will not, it cannot, it has to come with the support from policy and from the top, but it has to, it's, we are the people that need to, to make it happen and we need to be given the agency to do that. Um, so that's and that's the work you're doing and that's the work that I hope to be doing and, yes no and you're doing it and I think it's a perfect yeah. way for us to end um, <laughs> because I couldn't agree more and I think the work you're doing is so important to have these conversations um, and to be able to uh, sort of take back Thank our you. our our cities and our living spaces absolutely so um, this has been such a good conversation we this need to have wonderful. another we will we'll Thank have another you. one with um with Karen yes. and we'll talk more about the salon but also I would love to just have you back just to chat because anytime this is wonderful it was so great and so thanks to you Devorah and thanks to everyone for tuning in and alla prossima volta grazie mille